0: The Christmas Box, chapter number eight. Joe really didn't know what to think. He had been in the middle of a conversation with Bells when he had the feeling that someone was watching. He had not experienced that kind of sensation since his days in Afghanistan. But apparently they were still there and working fine. He had looked up at the creek to get his bearings and could tell that whatever the disruption was, was coming from his right, just inside the woods. He turned to see what it was, and was totally shocked to see a small boy there, trying to hide behind a tree. He had no idea where this boy had come from, or even how he walked all the way back here, but just the same, there he was. The boy seemed frightened at first, but then visibly calmed down and said, I'm sorry, and then turned and ran back through the woods and up the trail towards Mr. Trogdon's house. It was just then that the connection was made. He remembered seeing this small boy with his mother at Mr. Trogdon's funeral. Apparently, they were his daughter and grandson. He imagined that they were having, here having to set everything in order and were staying in his house until they did. It deeply saddened him to think they would probably just sell the place, which meant they would break up the land into plots and the next thing you know there would be people everywhere. He hated the very thought of that. He liked the peace and quiet of how things were now. He didn't want to deal with people. Suddenly, it dawned on him that since Bell's passing, he had become something of a recluse, hiding away in his little wood shop behind the house and not going anywhere. Well, he did go to the grocery store and stuff, he thought, trying to make excuses. But even then, he realized that while he was there, he felt completely uncomfortable and only wanted to hurry up and get out of there. As the small boy disappeared from view, Joe realized that Bells had been his whole connection with people since the Army. He had no friends. Well, to be honest, the last one he had had died right there in his arms, and he was in no hurry to make any more for sure. He slowly began to realize that Bells might be trying to tell him that he was going to end up as a lonely old man all by himself if he didn't change things. He slowly turned and looked back down at her grave marker. Okay, Bells, I'll at least try, he said, and then turned back towards the house. Julia was just finishing up her lunch dishes when the thought crossed her mind that she had not played her violin since arriving here. Sure, everything had been an emotional whirlwind and all, but she had not missed practice on her violin for more than two days at a time unless she was sick or something. She thought that it was very odd that she had not missed the playing until this very moment. Sure, she was in a different place from her normal practice room back in her old apartment, but still, her violin was something special to her, and it completely surprised her that she hadn't thought of it for this long. She would have to set up a studio or a practice room in one of the many rooms upstairs later uh, uh, once everything else came with the movers. True, her violin had come with them in the car. <laughs> no way that her violin would be out of her sight or trusted with some moving company. The mere thought made her shudder. But now that she had thought about it, she was really wanting to play, just to set her mind at ease and to hear the calming tones of the beautiful sounds that her violin made. She thought about just playing something in the living room. Nathan was surely used to her playing at all hours of the day, so it wouldn't bother him, but this didn't seem to satisfy her. As she thought about it more and more, she remembered when she was younger and had played on the back porch. Listening to the sounds reverberate off of the woods and the buildings, and how her mom had just loved to sit in the kitchen and listen to her play all the time. She also recalled a few times that her dad had been out in that old barn when she came out to play, and he had come over to the door to listen, pausing whatever task he was currently trying to finish. She was certainly aware that the cold weather would affect the pitch of her violin, but at the moment, she wasn't too concerned about it. All she knew was that it had been too long since she had played and she really needed to hear her violin sing to her. She began to feel the normal sense of excitement that she always felt right before playing. Whether practice or performance, she always loved to play, and the sounds of her violin were enough to mesmerize her and calm her no matter what. As she climbed the stairs to her bedroom to get her violin, she wondered what piece she would play. She stopped a moment and thought deeper about it. This shouldn't be just any piece. Nah, that wouldn't do. It should be something that symbolized new beginnings, the start of a whole new life here. Although it was a familiar place to her, she automatically knew what to play. It had been the same piece that was her solo back in Boston. She had become familiar with every major classical conductor and most famous pieces of music since she started playing. But the conductor had offered up a piece she had not been familiar with, nor did she recognize the name either. The composer was a man named Pietro Mascagni, and the piece was called Cavalleria Rusticana. She remembered taking the music home, only having been able to glance at it when she received the sheet music. But once she arrived at home, of course, she couldn't wait to see what the conductor had picked out for her. She began spot-reading the music, or basically playing it for the first time all the way through without practicing parts at first. She was immediately captivated by the piece, and despite it being her first solo piece, she immediately fell in love with it and claimed it as her favorite. As she played the music over and over, she tried to think of what was going through the conductor's mind when he composed the piece, or what feeling or idea he wanted his audience to experience from listening to it. Overall, the music was a slow melody that seemed to start with an incredibly sad expression as though it was describing the broken heart of someone who had seemingly lost everything. The rising and falling tones occasionally gathering speed and then suddenly slowing way down were absolutely mesmerizing to her as she played the piece. Halfway through the piece the tones and rhythms seemed to gather speed and energy as though the one with the broken heart was describing some small glimmer of hope that was just coming into view. As the piece ends with higher tones and an energetic feel, Julia sensed that this person the music was based on could just now start to see the first rays of sunshine dawning with clarity on whatever had caused such pain and grief. Only later would she research the history of the piece and discover that she was right on target, as this musical piece had been used in an opera for this very purpose. Then, too, she had another connection with this piece as it became something of a personal description of everything she had gone through and expressed feelings she could not verbally explain. As was always her habit, she opened the case and visually inspected the exterior of the violin, admiring the highly polished surface with faint traces of resin from her bow. She ran her fingers up and down the strings, getting a feel for her instrument and becoming intimately familiar with the strings and slight ridges. She, she smiled to herself, thinking that most people would think musicians were crazy people feeling this close with a wooden or metal object, but there was undoubtedly a very serious connection between a musician and their instrument, especially for professionals. She realized that she still had on her pajamas and house coat, how wouldn't that be a sight, she thought, and laughed to herself as she changed clothes quickly, selecting a favorite pair of jeans, her comfort pair, as she had explained to Anna one day, and a dark red sweater whose neck wasn't too high for her to set her chin in the violin. With the anticipation arising within her, she made her way quickly but carefully down the stairs and to the back door where she stopped, took a deep breath, and looked outside once more. It had stopped snowing and the sun was just now starting to shine more brightly. The glistening effect of the sunlight reflecting off the snow was just spectacular, and she thought this was no better setting for her first performance on the back porch. She didn't need the sheet music, as she had long ago memorized the piece, before performing it so many times in front of the crowds in the auditoriums across Boston and other venues. No matter where or when she played the piece, there was always a few tears shed over the piece. Sometimes her very own, as she allowed herself to become fully engrossed, with the music. Mascagni, in her humble opinion, had been a genius of the highest quality of composers when he pinned down this masterpiece. And to think that he had placed it in a drawer, not too happy with it, only to be discovered by his wife, who then turned it into a musical competition where it was selected. As Julia thought about this, she thought too of just how very slight decisions and actions like this one, could have drastic and life changing effects for people. She should know since she had been through so many in such a short time. She shook, her, uh, she shook her head to clear out all the thoughts rumbling around in her head and began to focus completely on warming up and attempting to tune up her violin. Despite the cold atmosphere, after a few minutes of playing scales and short pieces, she selected in, or she settled in, concentrating solely on the musical piece. She then closed her eyes and began playing the music that described her life. Immediately, the music filled the air with the soft tones and seemed to take control of every aspect of nature as there was complete silence and rapt attention paid by everything present. It had to be one of the most moving performances she could ever remember while playing the piece. She began to cry as the music seemed to have no other choice but to remind her of Andrew, her mom, and her dad. Joe had just made it back to the shop and was debating closing up and going in the house or just hanging out and pre-cutting some more pieces when he heard it. It was so strange to hear such delicate, precise, and clear music as he was hearing way out here in the country. Certainly, country music you could hear all the time as people would drive by with the music turned up this was something strange and oddly out of place for this area. He immediately recognized the sound as classical music. Bells had enjoyed listening to it on occasion, and through her, he had grown fond of a few select composers and a few pieces that seemed to speak to him. He knew he didn't recognize the music. Although it was barely loud enough for him to just catch parts here and there, it was enough for him to know that he didn't recognize it. He could tell, however that the music was coming from Mr. Trogdon's place and he could also tell that this was no recording. This music was being played right then and whoever it was playing sounded to him like they were very good. He had no idea who it was, only assuming that it was someone staying at Mr. Trogdon's place. He was getting curious now, knowing that the small boy he had seen earlier had come from the same place. So he walked closer to the edge of the woods to hear more clearly. Just as he has decided to step a little closer into the woods to hear even better, the music stopped. This seemed to disappoint him for some reason, for it had seemed like the music was drawing him in, wanting him to listen to the story it had to tell. He was about to turn around and head into the house, and he heard the music start up again. Whoever was playing must have started all over again because he recognized parts he had heard earlier. From where he stood in the woods, it was just close enough for him to be able to hear the entire piece as it was played. He was certain now that he had never heard it before. He was certain because, as he listened to it now, it was slowly drawing him in, and he seemed to be reacting emotionally to the music. If he had ever heard this music before, he would have recognized it immediately. The song sounded so sad and then gradually built up to the point of expressing what he could only describe as hope. How do you describe hope musically? He clearly didn't have the knowledge to be able to do this, uh, but this composer sure found a way. This reminded him of an old favorite movie of his from way back. He had tried describing it to Bella once and even uh, ended up having to search all over the Internet before finally finding a copy, ordering it, and then watching it with her. The movie was called Children of a Lesser God, and it was an immediate favorite for him. The story was about a teacher at a deaf school who ends up falling in love with a former student there. In one point of the movie, the girl signs to him, asking him to explain what music sounded like. He remembered thinking that this was so profound of a moment in the movie. He recalled how the teacher had tried to explain it and (coughs) had done a pretty... Remarkable job. But the girl had not been able to understand so much. And then later on, she had tried to explain through sign language what something sounded like to her. The point here was that their communication skills were not as good as each one had thought they were. Bella had thought the movie was pretty good and couldn't believe that she had never heard of it. The music had changed tempo somewhat and was drawing him back in. he felt as though this music was hypnotic to him and he couldn't get enough of it. Somehow and in some way, he was going to have to find out who the composer was and what the piece was. He had no idea how to find that out, but he would. Then, as suddenly as it started, the music died down into total silence. He blinked, realizing that he had lost himself in the music to the point he couldn't even tell how long he had been standing there. Ironically, he felt as guilty as a small boy probably did as he found himself standing here in the woods between the two houses. If someone caught him, he really didn't know how he would have reacted. Maybe he too would have only been able to say, I'm sorry. Chapter 9 Julia had not played in so many days and she had missed it. She just kept playing the same piece over and over again on the back porch, which seemed to have perfect, resonating sound to her, as though she were playing in some outdoor amphitheater. It not only calmed her, it also rejuvenated her, and she was relishing the feelings flowing through her until she could feel her arms start to get a little tired. She completed the piece one one more time and just stood there, motionless, listening to the music flow around her until it completely died down to silence. And it was perfectly just that, complete and total silence. While some people may have been uncomfortable in the silence, she found herself relishing in it, almost needing it as if it were some kind of a drug or something and it felt really, really good. There was just something therapeutic about it and she knew it had done her some good. For the first time in, well, she didn't even know how long it actually had been, She realized that she was smiling, and it felt great. That night, while lying in bed, Joe could not stop thinking about that song. Soon he found that he was just as curious to find out who was actually playing the song. Was it a man or a woman? He was certain it wasn't the boy he saw in the woods, but then again, maybe he was the child of the person who had been playing. Based on how young he was, the person playing was about his age, he guessed. The thoughts turned over and over in his head until he finally fell asleep. And then in his sleep, he dreamed of one of his boxes, and when he would open the lid, the same music would play, as though it were a music box. It was only about five in the morning when he sat up in the bed, fully awake, and realized what he had to do. First, he would design a box based on the thoughts he had dreamed, which were still fresh in his mind. Then, thinking about that, he reached for the pad and pen he kept by the bedside for such ideas. He knew all too well that some great ideas had crossed his mind, and before he got to the bedroom door, they were gone already. So now he kept paper and pen by his bedside in case any great ideas came calling during the night. As he took the paper and began writing, he realized that it had really been a long time based on the dust that had accumulated on the paper. Back to his plan. He would then go into town and see Mr. Charlie. He had a delivery of boxes for the store, so it would be a good excuse to see him. While they were cordial and all, Bells had done most of the face-to-face stuff, but since her passing, Joe had been forced to become acquainted with the man and and actually found him to be a gentle old soul that he was comfortable around. He would ask Mr. Charlie about the people living in Mr. Trogdon's house now and see if he knew who might be playing the music. As he formed the plans for the day in his head, he habitually went through the motions normally associated with the beginning of his day. Coffee, breakfast, watering bells, plants, around the house, etc. But when he was walking down the hall to the bedroom to finish getting dressed, he passed by all of their photos hanging there and suddenly stopped, just now realizing something very strange and odd. So odd, in fact, that it startled him. He realized that he had been whistling. He hadn't done anything like that since before Bells was there. Chapter 10 Julia awoke the next morning feeling refreshed and rejuvenated. She had known for a long time that music just had that kind of power and effect on people. She had just never experienced it at that level herself. Sure, she had experienced overwhelming emotions during some of her performances, especially some of the recent ones, but never had she felt a connection like she did yesterday. As she dressed for the day, she mentally made a note that she still had about three weeks before having to appear in Raleigh for the North Carolina Symphony audition at the beginning of the new year. Her old conductor from Boston had assured her that this was just a formality for everyone else. The North Carolina Symphony conductor had already heard her at one of their performances last year and had been impressed even then. The only drawback here was figuring out a schedule for her practice sessions, performances, and having a backup plan for taking care of Nathan if necessary. It startled her for a moment to realize that she didn't have any family left to rely on anymore. (coughs) 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 She forced herself to put that thought aside, trying to focus on the tasks for the day. She hadn't given too much thought about it yet, but she wanted to start sprucing up the place some, maybe some painting, add some plants around the house, different things like this, oh yes, and decorate for Christmas too. She would have to make a list and then go by the hardware store or maybe even Mr. Charlie's place. She started making breakfast and began looking around the kitchen. No better place to start than here, she said to herself. Nathan had just come down the stairs and she discussed her ideas about the day with him. He didn't seem too interested until she mentioned Christmas and getting a tree and decorations which seemed to change his mind about getting out of the house and walking around a bit. They finished breakfast and she had compiled a small list to start with. They finished getting ready and headed out the door. She had ended up at the hardware store based simply on more choices than anything else and had picked up a little more than she had planned on but that was how it usually went, didn't it? They were heading back home, and she spotted Mr. Charlie standing outside his store, helping someone put items in their truck. Mom, let's stop by and say hello to Mr. Charlie, Nathan asked from the back seat. Since they had been here, Mr. Charlie had made a point of coming around and checking on them, and Nathan had immediately grown attached to him. The suckers and candy certainly had no effect on that, she was sure. Okay, but just for a minute, she replied, pulling into the parking spot. Mr. Charlie noticed them and waved as he continued helping out his customer. Julia and Nathan walked inside, where Nathan immediately headed for the candy aisle. She started to object, but decided to let him go. She glanced around the store and suddenly realized that she had not been in Mr. Charlie's store since she was little. So much had changed, but then some had not, and she felt good about that. There were a few customers in the store, so she felt a little uncomfortable taking up any time from him, and had just started to call for Nathan when he came back in the store. "'Well, hello, Julia. How are you doing? Anything I can get for you?' he asked. She immediately felt guilty about going to the hardware store instead of here. She quickly ran down a mental list of things she might need at the house, including groceries. "'Oh, I just needed a few things. Nathan wanted to drop by and say hello as well,' she said. Just then, Nathan came around the corner, his hands full of candy. "'Hi, Mr. Charlie.' We just came from the hardware store and stopped to say hi, he blurted out, convicting his mom without even knowing it. Mr. Charlie just smiled like it didn't bother him at all. Well, it's nice to see you as well, Nathan. Looks like you had some shopping of your own to do, he said, nodding towards the candy. Julie could only laugh at her son, who was as innocent as she was guilty. Just then, a man and his wife came up to the counter, so Julia left the counter to pick up a few things. When she came back up with her items, she noticed a man coming in the front door with a few boxes in his hands. He looked to be about her age, she figured, and he seemed to be focused on the boxes in his hands, as though they were precious cargo or something. Oh, hi, Joe. I'll come back there with you in a minute, Mr. Charlie said, as the man simply nodded and headed towards the back of the store. Julia watched as he walked by on the other side of the store, curious about the man and what might be in the boxes as well. She didn't even realize she'd been staring at him until he disappeared down the aisle and glanced at Mr. Charlie, who seemed to be amused at her staring at the strange man. Julia simply blushed but didn't say anything as she called out to Nathan, who seemed to have disappeared down the candy aisle again. He came running with his load of groceries, as he described them to Mr. Charlie, who totally agreed with him. She paid the bill, wished Mr. Charlie a good day, and headed out the door. She had absolutely no idea what had just happened but she had felt totally embarrassed for staring at whoever that man was and having been caught by Mr. Charlie. She just wanted to get back to the house and start decorating and renovating, making things over, or whatever it was called these days. Now that was pretty fast for another batch of boxes, Joe, Mr. Charlie commented as he walked through the curtain and into the back storage area. As part of their agreement to keep the source secret, Mr. Charlie had suggested they just bring the decorated boxes in concealed cordboard boxes through the back curtain as he didn't have a back door or loading dock. Joe was nearly done unpacking the current inventory when Mr. Charlie walked in. Hi, Mr. Charlie, Joe replied. He knew why he was really here and would have to work up to it. He just wasn't comfortable blurting it out and asking a bunch of questions. He spent a few minutes beating around the bush and tried to come off as nonchalant as he could before getting down to the point. Mr. Charlie... If you don't mind, I was wondering if you knew who might be staying at Mr. Trogden's home now. I saw a strange car in the driveway and was just curious who they were, Joe asked. He had thought that one up as a way to seem innocent in asking his questions. Oh, I see, Mr. Charlie commented and then sort of shook his head in understanding. Joe suspected that this old man had just read him like a book, but he kept up the innocent look. I was just curious as all he mumbled, as though he had been caught with his hand in the proverbial cookie jar. Hmm, well, as a matter of fact, I do know. It's Julia, his daughter, and her little boy Nathan. She used to be a professional violinist with the Boston Philharmonic, but she's actually moving back here and will be taking over the farm, so you don't have to worry about her selling the place off or anything like that, Mr. Charlie said. Joe could not figure out if Mr. Charlie had seen right through him and was playing with him, or if he was just simply smart enough to think he was just worried about someone selling the place off. Either way, Joe realized Mr. Charlie was one very smart cookie. Then as Joe thought he caught a glimpse of a twinkle in his eye, he gestured toward the front of the store and said, as a matter of fact, you just missed them. They were buying a few things just as you came in the front door. Oh, okay, replied Joe. He just didn't know what else to say. He suddenly felt like Mr. Charlie was looking at him through a microscope, and he didn't want to try to work up to the music any longer. Well, I gotta go. Have some more boxes finish up for online sales and all, Joe said as he stepped through the curtain. All right, I'll probably have these sold in the next few days, so you can bring some more whenever you like, Mr. Charlie said as Joe seemed to run through the curtain and was gone in a flash. Mr. Charlie sat there for a minute and just glanced at the intricate work of the boxes Joe had just left. He was still amazed at the intricate detail and talent that this young man had. A cloud of sadness came across his face as he thought about Bella and the tragedy of this young family. Then, too, the same thing had happened to Julia as well. He shook his head and stood up to go back out front.